The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. As always, you got Pootie, who's sick today. Boo, not COVID. And the fugitive pastor, <laughs> P Nate. Um, hashtag not COVID. Is that what you're going for? Hashtag not COVID. I yeah, just did the yeah. mark in the. I, I just actually get sick sometimes. There are <laughs> other illnesses. It would be marked. If you died tonight, you know it's marked as a COVID death, FYI. 100%. Um, everybody, I think everybody who's died in the last, like, unless you got hit by a car and you can't, they can't say it, but it was COVID. Did you ever see the meme where it was like, Wife, honey, have I gained any weight during quarantine? Husband, uh, well, you were never really skinny before. And it's like time of death, whatever the time was, cause of death, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That's yeah. okay. This is totally off topic, but we're going to start with this anyway. Have I told you about my friend who's the personal trainer who gave me the backhanded compliment the other day? No. All right, so everybody who's listening to this podcast probably knows what we look like. So picture me, and this is what this person said to me. They're like, you know, you'd be really attractive if you worked on your core. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a very hurtful statement. But pretty- Backhanded compliments are the best. They're so, they're so good. I don't know why I thought of that with the comment that you made about the meme. Have you ever heard the Winston Churchill, like famous backhanded compliments, like talking about a political opponent? He goes, he's a humble little man who has much to be humble about. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. So good. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so we're the Rebels. You're listening to us either on our own feed or maybe on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada network. Proud to be members of that. We would just encourage you, if you want to give back to the show in any way, you can either go over to FLF, Fight, Laugh, Feast, flfnetwork.com and become a member of the uh, the club. That gives you some access to backdoor stuff and all of the uh, the videos and stuff for club members only. We're actually going to be putting some videos out on that as well. So uh, take a look at that. The other thing I would say is you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash reformed rebel, and uh, you can get back to the show that way. So anyway, thanks. I hope you're listening to the other uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada podcast, uh, Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. He's a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. And uh, there's a few others that Chalk Knox and the boys are helping get off the ground as well. So we look forward to everything that's going to be happening through the Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada network. All right, that's enough housekeeping. I have an article that I'm dying to hear your opinions on, Pootie. Okay. All right, so this is from the Seattle Times. So you know it's going to get uh, 
you know it's already gonna, already yeah. i think it's woke i'm just saying yeah yeah you're not wrong but okay so this is interesting so you remember just a little while ago that uh the florida governor ron DeSantis issued an executive order that forbids any business from making their patrons prove that they've been vaccinated against covid he also signed into law a bill that gave the ban a little bit more teeth he threatened violators with fines of thousands and thousands of dollars so he, he's been a great governor and basically he's trying to avoid in florida what we're actually starting to see in Canada a little bit, but this is actually something that in Florida, there's one uh, concert promoter by the name of Paul Williams, who's throwing a concert for, have you ever heard of the, the band Teenage Bottle Rockets? No. Yeah, me neither. But I, I didn't know if I was just out of the loop. I'm not very hip with these sorts of things. But anyway, uh, he's throwing a concert for them. And he's trying to kind of get around this governor's bill by charging $18 for a ticket price if you're vaccinated and $999 if you are unvaccinated. Are you so yeah, it's a thousand dollar concert for anybody who is not vaccinated and an $18 concert for anyone who is. So here are some thoughts, Chris. First thought is that it would be it'd be great to be independently wealthy in these moments, just so I could be like, you know what, I'm gonna buy all the tickets at the unvaccinated rate and, and give, give them, them out away. to all my unvaccinated friends. <laughs> yeah. just, Go just to an anti-vax the- rally and uh, <laughs> hand out free tickets. Like just for the sheer, just like yeah. you tried to do something and I'm gonna mess with you. Uh, yeah. but let- I'm gonna bring all the kids that I know who are not vaccinated against measles, mumps, whooping cough. <laughs> like it's gonna be a big anti-vax rally, not a concert. E- exactly, and they're all gonna go watch the teenage pop rockets or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Which would be great. No, like, but in serious, what's so frustrating about this is that the narrative for the last five years have been no segregation. <laughs> don't judge people based on class. Don't judge people based on color. Don't judge people based on any external focus. Just everybody's equal, right? Like that's been the narrative predominantly for at least five years. Oh, yeah. Until, until now where it's like now we're going to financially punish people who have made a different choice. Two, we're going to segregate society based on those who are towing the company line, basically, which is getting the vax, and those who aren't. And we're going to basically shame everybody who isn't getting the vax. And then further at this point, whatever happened to my body, my choice. So like, I thought that was the narrative. <laughs> That's a myth. That was never the case, Pooty. Didn't you, you know, this is masking mandates, right? That was my answer to my neighbors. Whenever my neighbors would see me in the grocery store without a mask on, I'd say, hey, my body, my choice, because they all know I'm pro-life and that I've been tearing down that argument for a while. So I was just trying to show them the inconsistency, but, but you're, yeah, so you're right. So there's a couple things going on here that I think are just interesting for us to tease out as Christians, right? Number one, we believe that people are allowed to run their businesses as they see fit. We supported Jack Phillips not having to bake a cake for the gay wedding. And so we do support private, unregulated free market. So this guy wants to do that. I think he should have the freedom to be able to do it. But I do think it's bad for him and for culture in general. And for all the reasons that you said, like, I think that there is this push towards, like you said, this egalitarian sort of equality that was never achievable in the first place, but they've totally abandoned that narrative depending on what the issue at hand is. And now that it has to do with vaccinations, they're all for the unvaccinated being punished. Our government right now is seriously considering travel bans. Um, We just recently had in Manitoba 
which is one of the provinces of Canada for all our American listeners, <laughs> one of the provinces in Canada that they've lifted the mandatory 14-day quarantine after traveling outside of the country if you've been fully vaccinated. So if you've received both doses of your shot. So we're already seeing sort of a social credit system being developed for those who have received the vaccination. Just recently, we saw that the frontline workers who have received their both doses of vaccinations who work in the hospitals in Toronto received free tickets to the Toronto-Montreal playoff game. So, you know, it's been closed to visitors for a long, long time, and yet they opened it up for fully vaccinated frontline workers. So it's, it's interesting that we're already starting to see this, the sort of social benefits from coming this way. And, and you know, you think of all the uh, dystopian novels, uh, you know, like 1984, George Orwell, there was this social credit system where the government gives you privileges based on being a good citizen and getting a vaccine right now in 2021 in Canada, it makes you a good citizen. So we're seeing more and more of this. It's a gold star, right? It's a, yeah, that's right. You got a gold star from the powers that be. Caesar is smiling on you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've talked about this a lot, not necessarily on the podcast, but sometimes just off air. We've talked yeah. about like, if people thought masks was a big issue that divided the church, wait till vax becomes where it's like, well, I want a service just for vaccinated people versus non-vaccinated people. That's going to be just a gong show that I'm well, looking forward to. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's the thing we're already starting to see, right? We're starting to see certain churches talking about vaccinated and unvaccinated services or sections of the sanctuary and stuff like that. And I mean, if we thought that the mask versus non-mask was like a Jew Gentile divide at, the, at that time, I mean, this is even more so, right? This is really like the segregation and adding barriers to fellowship that include putting experimental drugs in your body and stuff. So actually, after that comment, I should probably just clarify our stance on this. Like both Chris and I, I would say, I won't speak for you. I will say I'm not an anti-vaxxer in any way. Our kids have their vaccinations. There was one vaccine that we opted out of for our kids, not that we won't give it to them, but that we did not give it to them at the age that they wanted them to, to receive it at. There was a lot of research that showed receiving that particular vaccine later on was a lot better. And so one of our kids has gotten it and the other two will get it, but not until they're at a certain age. So I'm not in any way an anti-vaxxer. I think people should be wary of this COVID vaccine for a number of reasons. I think number one, we just had Doug Ford extend the emergency powers he has. Um, this podcast kind of started with an ode to Star Wars. So we'll say his his sort of Emperor Palpatine emergency orders, right? This is, by the way, everybody- This is I just, how democracy dies. This is how democracy dies is the line in Star Wars. But this is the whole thing. Like people don't understand. This is how the empire was born. If you're not a Star Wars fan, Doug Ford- getting emergency powers that allow him to circumvent democracy and make decisions for everybody under his care. This is how the empire started. This is how Emperor Palpatine took power. This is how Darth Vader became the Lord, dark Lord of the Sith. Like, come on, people. In the analogy then would, uh, if Doug- Dr. Tam is Darth Vader. <laughs> that's where, that's where I'm getting like, Who's Vader in this? In yeah, this Dr. Tam. Um, I always think it was Paul Carter. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh that's a, that is a shot fired. And we're going to get there. Um, but- <laughs> So Doug Ford extended his emergency powers, getting back to vaccines. He extended his emergency powers because 
the COVID vaccination is not actually a vaccination. In order for the government to even administer this thing and call it a vaccine, it has to be under emergency orders because it, ha it, it has not been FDA approved. And so in order for the government to be pushing this and putting it into people's arms, there have to be emergency orders in place because that circumvents the normal checks and balances when the government's doing something like this. And that should worry all of us. So what I keep saying to people when they ask whether or not I'm going to get the vaccination is I say, I'm going to wait till it's FDA approved and then I'll look into it. That helps, right? Because a lot of people don't know it's not FDA approved and all that kind of stuff. So my point with the whole vaccine is I would just be very wary. I don't think it's undergone the amount of trials it should. It's not the same kind of technology that other vaccines are that uses your natural immune system to fight off basically a, a part of the virus that's lost some potency. Instead, this is actually um, affecting your RNA to give you the tools, as they would say, to fight this off when you get it. So so it's not using your natural immune system, which is what real vaccines do. Yeah. So. For me, I'm, I'm in the exact same spot. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't particularly, like, I don't get the flu shot myself, but I'm not, like, sitting outside and getting yeah, out of people who, take the, who get the flu shot. My whole thing is simply just if they were asking us to get the vaccine, not trying to mandate it, and it was approved, and they were like, hey, this will help take care of the virus, I'd, I'd happily get it but they're trying to force it down our throats. They're trying to make us do it. And so the fact that you're trying to make me do it makes me basically dig in my teeth and say, well, <laughs> this, I'm not is, gonna... this is the antinomianism in, uh, in, in Chris's heart. It's like, Hey, do you want a Snickers bar? Yeah. I'd love one here. You have to eat a Snickers bar. Never. Not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> this... not doing it. And you know what? I might eat a Mars bar just to, just to like, <laughs> Just to, just to screw you. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just yeah. simply like, because you're, because you're forcing me, I'm not going to do it. Now, when I say that, I want everybody here right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, again, yeah. I'm, the same, I'm the same way as you. Two years from now, people haven't grown third arms and it's not causing all these side effects. Actually, experts start to back their product and say, yeah, right. well, we are like liability. Now, right? and, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's approved. Then I'll absolutely at that point take it if it's still needed. My biggest thing that I get so worked up about the Vax about is that like everybody's so concerned if other people get it, which yeah. means they have no trust in the fact that- And their dose. Yeah. Exactly. Like, why do I need to have the Vax if your Vax worked? You know what I mean? It's the, I'm not walking around being like, have you had the chicken pox? Well, you need to get the chicken pox just in case I get the chicken pox. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, no, you got the chicken pox. You're, you're inoculated as a chicken pox. You don't care now if you're around people with chicken pox. I don't know why chicken pox is the example that I'm using, but I'm going sucks. with it. And it worked. Actually, you know what? It does suck because it's itchy. And I don't well, like it. And itchy. you know what's funny though? We actually brought our oldest daughter to a friend's house whose kids had the chicken pox so that she would get the chicken pox. The other two, I actually don't think, I don't think Harper's had it, but, but like that used to be a thing. There used to be like chicken pox parties. Oh, I like went to one when I was a kid. Yeah. The parents used to bring and like let all the kids play together with the infected kid with chicken pox. And like how much has culture changed now where it's like, now it's like you dare to have a child who, who has chicken pox and let them out of the house. Whereas we used to have these neighborhood parties so that all the kids would get it so that because we trusted the immune system, right? We trusted the way God made our bodies, but anyway, okay. When you were a kid though, like how many times did your like grandma or your uh, mom be like, oh, he's eating dirt. Just let him because it'll, it'll help. Boost him his immune system. Exactly. Yeah. Now we have these helicopter parents swatting things out of kids' hands, sanitizing their hands. Exactly. I, I know people who don't even let their kids touch grass because they might catch something <laughs> off the grass. Be like, you're not helping 
kids no, like bubble boys. A, Those are the kids that grew up with peanut allergies. <laughs> <laughs> These are just the saying, just saying, yeah. Um, just saying. These are the people who ruined peanut butter sandwiches for everyone. That's amazing. Uh, we just yeah. killed so many people there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's two weeks now. Ago. So here's what we want to kind of take this conversation though, is like, so what we're seeing is everything in the last couple of years is just divided culture, right? Every, like you, you think about Black Lives Matter, you think about the US presidential election, you think about even the presidential election before that, Hillary and Trump and all this, like everything is just super dividing our culture. And this is just another thing that's dividing our culture, those who have received the vaccine and those who haven't received the vaccine. But here's what I want to say, which is which is interesting. And we kind of enjoyed last week's episode where we offended everybody. So I think we're going to try to do that again. So, right now. Yes, that, that'll be our new thing. What we're seeing with the vaccines, again, we're seeing this disturbing trend on both sides where it's no longer about educating the other side it's about shaming and making the other side kind of feel stupid here's what i want to say about that there's these phrases right alpha and beta male so these phrases they they come from a number of places but the the basic idea here Jordan Peterson is where I kind of first learned about some of this stuff and he's he's learned it from a few other people but honestly I would encourage any of the guys who listen to this go and and listen to um some of Jordan Peterson's stuff on alpha and beta males Aaron Wren, who I think his ministry is called The Art of Manliness or something like that. I, I knew him from some of the uh, Man Rampant interviews that Doug Wilson did during the Man Rampant seasons. He talks a little bit about being alpha and beta male. And the idea here is that God designed men to lead and to be assertive and to be dominant, not domineering, but dominant, right? Men are to take dominion, right? That's where the, the term comes from, to be dominant, to take dominion, to lead their homes, to lead their wives, to protect their wives. And so all of these features, which quite honestly, our culture would call toxic masculinity at this point, but all of these things are sort of attributes of what we would call an alpha male. An alpha male is somebody who is assertive, who is self-confident, who is highly motivated, who is self-aware, who is competitive, but not overly competitive, just those kinds of attributes versus sort of a beta male who uh, generally is uh, not self-motivated, is kind of more selfish as opposed to outward focused, somebody who is insecure, those kinds of things. So just a very quick generalization. And I would just say these are, these are terms go, honestly, Jordan Peterson has some great stuff in terms of just what it looks like to be a man. And Aaron Wren is sort of the Christian version of that. And I think he's done a really good job if you go and, and take a look at some of his stuff. Doug Wilson is taught on this as well and, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I, I just say this because what we're seeing is the, the veil come off of all of the beta males who have been in leadership positions that probably ought not to have been right now. And this is happening, you know, I, I'm segueing into this conversation through the vaccine because what we see is this desire to, instead of assert your position, defend your position, teach and influence, which are alpha qualities, 
what we see is this desire to tear down, to belittle, to mock the opposing side, which are beta qualities, right? So an alpha male is confident enough in his own skin and, and with who he is that he leads without trying to placate, without trying to appease, without trying to capitulate or compromise with those who disagree with him. A beta male has to tear others down in order to bolster their own uh, self-opinion, their own ego, whatever the case may be. So what we're seeing right now, and I'll get into this conversation with the vaccines, is just a belittling of the other side, right? As opposed to actually talking through and trying to win people and influence people. And this whole COVID thing, and this is kind of where we want to take the conversation, has revealed, I think, in a lot of church leadership, a whole lot of beta males, In fact, I would just say that some of our friends who have taken the most public heat, guys like Aaron Rock and Jacob Rayom and and Joe Boot, have had mutinies against them within their own churches, within their own ministries. We've seen seminary professors and Christian bloggers and discernment bloggers come after them for the strong stance they've taken through COVID. And what we want to call this revolt or this this animosity is the revenge of the beta males. (laughs) This is everybody with a blog using their blog to try to tear down the faithful, confident, and courageous shepherds. And I think the reason they're doing it is because they see and hate the cowardice in their own hearts. But it's easier to tear down the courageous man than it is to develop your own courage. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a really bad analogy of what this looks like in cinema. So in the sure. movie, The Lion King. Love it. Mustafa is the alpha male. Scar yeah. is the beta, beta male, right? Yeah. He's, he's too afraid to confront Mustafa based on his like actually ability. He's needy. Right. He's all these things. So he finds a way to tear Whiny. Mustafa down so he gets what he, what he gets, what he wants. And so that's our, like a really brief analogy of what this looks like yeah. in, in society. And we're seeing this, I think. And I think- he's, he's, and just to push that a little further, like he's sneaky, he's plotting, right? He's devious. He has to come up with this plan. He has to seek out lesser animals, right? He, he employs the help of the hyenas because he can't win over the lions and the lionesses. And so he has to garner support from the lesser animals. And he goes and kind of rallies his troops to stir them up to rebellion. So it's all this sort of deviousness, the sneakiness, this underhandedness that kind of outlines the strategies for beta males. Yeah, absolutely. A beta male lives their lives based on the value and the vision of what other people think, right? That's right. They're, they're out for neediness, approval. These are the people who don't make any decisions until they've checked with everybody. You know what I mean? They've That's gotten right. like consensus. This is <laughs> like, this is Joe Biden, basically. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so seriously. Like, seriously. Um, yeah, it's, they're looking at validation at every turn. Here's another way that people don't think of beta males. This is also the guy who would say something like, I'm the alpha. You know, yeah, he, he well, tries it, to be exactly. the to the point of like I'm in charge of everything, and he can't, right. who can't be humble, can't be led, doesn't realize that they have areas that they're not the strongest in. That's um, right. A real alpha just does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he just and, like, and and like obviously we would look at Christ as like the ultimate example of what an alpha looks like, and there was a humility and a lowliness to him, right? There was meekness. He was described as meek. The etymology of the word meekness. We actually get the word from the bit that goes into a horse's mouth. So the idea of meekness, the, the word actually comes from the bit that would be used to break a wild stallion, 
right? So the idea is it's power, right? The, all the power and the strength and the speed of a stallion, but it's harnessed right through the bit in the mouth. That's where the word comes from. So this is why Superman is always described as Clark Kent as a meek and mild mannered reporter, right? Because Clark Kent was the meekness that, that Superman kind of put on that concealed all of the strength of Superman, right? Jesus Christ was the, the glory of the Father concealed and wrapped in flesh, right? And fleshed and carnate in a frail human body. And Jesus himself, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but who allows himself to be the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So an alpha male is a meek person because they don't need to put their power on display in order to feel confident. They're confident enough in their own skin, their own power, their own abilities that they don't have to prove it to anybody because the opinion of others isn't what they're seeking, right? The beta is the one who, like you said, is constantly saying, I'm an alpha, I'm an alpha, I'm an alpha, I'm strong, I'm hard, I say hard things, I'm cool. Like that's the beta. Yeah. To also reiterate, the qualities of an alpha and a beta aren't aren't determined by any status. So just because you're in a position of leadership doesn't make you an alpha. It doesn't make you a like, and just because you're not doesn't make you not an alpha, if that That's makes right. sense, right? I think your analogy with Christ is a perfect one because obviously he is the perfect man, right? So we we look at him and be like, every quality we would say is good is fulfilled in Christ, right? So That's right. Um, there's this tendency of guys to be like, oh, you have to be hard. You have to be all these things. But Christ was moved to compassion. He was, he, his heart broke for people, but then he was also the same guy who drove everybody out of the temple with a whip. You know what I mean? Like there's both of those things. And I think a, a real alpha and a real like leader has all of those things in tension and they're not threatened by other alphas. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's, I think another big tell of somebody who is a beta male is that they're threatened by every other person who's an alpha. You know what I mean? Like they can't, they can't deal. They can't handle everybody who challenges anything is an affront to them, which is something I think we see right now. Absolutely. It's interesting you say that because I think that's one of those things is like particularly in challenging their, their alphaness or their, you know, their manliness or whatever spirals them into a, a sort of defensiveness. If you're a beta, right? Like the thing that beta males hate the most is being recognized or seen as a beta, right? And so they're actually very easily manipulated, right? Because all you have to do is call into question their manliness, their leadership, their whatever, and they'll do whatever it is that you want them to do because you're just saying, oh, you should do this this way. This is what a real man would do. And then they run off to do it, right? Not realizing that they're being manipulated because they want more than anything else to be seen as sort of an alpha. And so the reason we want to have this conversation is for two things. I want people to understand the motivation behind every single blog post. I shouldn't say it. Maybe maybe that's too general. Maybe that's too broad. What I'll say is many of the blog posts that are going on right now by, you know, whether it's the Gospel Coalition, the Pulpit and the Pen, like these sorts of discernment blogs that are just sort of like watchmen, watchdogs who are looking for people who disagree with them and then writing these sort of passive aggressive posts. We saw this right now. And and just so everybody knows, I've had these conversations with the TGCC, a Gospel Coalition Canada. So I'm not saying anything out of turn that I haven't said to them. They don't return my calls anymore. I've been blocked on every form of communication. So what would happen is you get a guy like Joe Boot, who we both love. Joe is certainly an alpha. He's he's been such an instrumental leader, especially during right now. And it's it's great to finally see him getting the recognition he deserves. 
But his book, The Mission of God, has really shaped the theology and the missiology of a young generation of pastors like myself. And some of the guys who are standing alongside of us, the Jacob Rayomes, the Aaron Rocks, the Tim Tysos, the Michael Tysons, the uh, Andrew DiBartolos, the Alex Klustermans, the James Coates, like all of these guys, they've been influenced by the mission of God. They've been discipled by uh, you know a guy like Joe Boot. And so what is it that Joe has been teaching? Post-millennialism, right? Optimistic eschatology, theonomy. And so what happens? Well, instead of actually having a conversation with Joe, rather than writing uh, something against the book, The Mission of God, all of these young pastors who have been influenced by this, who have their churches open, who are very public about their opening, who are writing blog posts about why other churches should be open, what happens? TGC doesn't have anybody on for a conversation. They don't phone anybody to have a conversation about uh, the differences and, and reason together from the scriptures. They don't call Joe Boot and go on his podcast or have them on his. Instead, what they do is they write an article about how Rush Dooney, right, was really mean. And that's part of the problem with theonomy is that it produces really mean people. And so what that is, is it's a, it's a passive aggressive attack against Joe, even though they're not manly enough, not forthright enough, not assertive enough to actually go and defend their position or criticize somebody in a biblical or in a fair way. And so and they, don't, we just, they also don't, sorry to jump in. They, yeah, also go for it. they also don't engage with the argument. You know what I mean? Exactly. They, they, this is tone policing. This is, I'm arguing with the way you said it, not what you said. They never circle around to what actually is the issue. There's right. been countless articles put out by the Gospel Coalition Canada. And I'm, I'm picking on them because they're famous and they're, and they're public. So you put it out publicly, we can publicly talk about it. They put out tons of articles about like, the mean pastors that are opening their churches, defying the government, being these yeah. rebel, rebel pastors. Yeah. Hurting our witness. Exactly. That, that's exactly where I was going. Hurting the witness, where they're not actually dealing with the fact that we're saying we're biblically commanded to open. If you think we're not biblically commanded to be open, deal with that argument. Put out an argument that shows and yeah. proves from your point from scripture why you should be closed for a, a virus that 99.7% of people who contract it survive. Not just people in general that yeah. contract it. Yeah, and instead what ends up happening is is they ask questions, right? It's instead of, yeah, but what if this was the way it is? She's like, are you saying that's how it is? No, no, I'm not saying that's how it is. I'm saying, what if it was? Can't have a conversation with you now. And that's that sneakiness, that deviousness. It's just a and and it's I don't think they're being sinister on purpose. I think it's just there's an insecurity that is deep within that manifests itself in this sort of public insecurity where every criticism has to be addressed and uh, every person who dislikes me has to be discredited, but, but never in a face-to-face -face or, or in a direct conversation. We're even seeing that in churches right now, right? We're seeing that with congregation members, and I'll just throw this out there to see where you want to go with this, Chris. Now, first of all, I do want to go back because you were talking about tone policing. You know, we, we did an episode last week where we did condemn those who are engaging publicly in a way where they're not displaying the fruit of the spirit. All right. There is a way in which our tone must also come under the, the authority of the word of God that tells us to be kind and respectful and self-controlled and, and all that kind of stuff. But what Chris was saying was it's dealing with the tone without dealing with the argument. And that's the problem, right? Yeah, so you can, you, right. But the other thing I want to say is 
I'm just going to say this and, and I, I hope people hear my heart in it. And, and then I'm going to count on you to, to jump in here. <laughs> One of the other things I would say is that a lot of the families who have been most paralyzed with fear during all of this, I would say are families where the man of the house is not leading the house well. Would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. Some of the people who have been most fearful, who are, are, are most affected, we'll say, because that, that can be broad and, and manifest in a, in a variety of ways. Most of the families that have been most affected by everything going on through COVID, it's partially because their husbands, the husbands, the head of the home has not been leading their family and helping their wives in particular think through these issues. At the end of the day, God created men and women differently, and women who are nurturing, who are raising children, are far more prone to anxiety and worry. They, they're the ones who worry about the kids falling out of the trees, and it's the husband's job. It's the father's job. C.R. Wiley talks about this. Actually, he does it really well, and he basically says one of the jobs of a godly husband is to protect his children from the overprotection of their mother. <laughs> Right. And I, I agree with that, right? That there's a give and take here. Now, there is a way of being careless and reckless, and women are, are definitely more nurturing, and, and it's why God put them in the role that He did. But the point there is that husbands are called by God to help their wives think through danger, threats, all those kinds of things, because without it, the women will succumb to fear more often than men. That's how God designed us. Yeah. It's right and proper that they're nurturing and they're caring in the, yes. in the way they are because we're complementarians. We believe that the, the man should come along and balance this all out. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, so that you end up raising men that look like men and women who look like women, not Amen. men who look like women. And you know, I'm not making like a, like a, like a style comparison. I mean, you know, they act and they yeah. display the qualities of, of women. It's designed that way for a purpose. So, you know, again, what we're seeing in sort of the backlash of, you know, a lot of letters that are being sent to pastors with open churches, a lot of the articles being written in local newspapers, the, the people jumping on social media and telling them to lock up churches of, of pastors who are being in defiance and stuff. And again, this is the revenge of the beta males. It's, it's these, these men who are embarrassed that they have succumbed to the same level of fear as non-believers and are, are tearing down. Now, now I, I get it. That's a generalization. I, I know that a lot of people would not consider themselves being fearful right now. I think that far more are than are willing to admit it. I think it's just a manly quality. It's just, it's just part of being a man that you're not going to admit when you're afraid anyway. But and I, so I think much more of them are afraid than they than actually truly think they're afraid. But I would just say that by and large, what we've seen is that a lot of the families who are most affected by everything that's going on are being led by beta males who need to man up, gird up their loins, lead their family and help them think through this. Yeah, absolutely. When we say fearful, people's minds naturally go to the virus. They think Pudi and Nate are thinking they're afraid of the virus. No, you can be afraid of other things. You can be afraid of the repercussions of the government breaking yep. the lockdowns, but probably more often the man isn't afraid of either of those things. What he's actually afraid of is confronting his wife. And so like what it is, it's this, this whole mentality of like the revenge of the alpha woman, you know what I mean? Who wants Oof. to be, who wants to be the dominant person in the household and the man just is more afraid of her than he is of actually anything else. We often even make the joke like happy wife, happy life. 
the idea is like, as long as I keep my wife happy, I'm going to have a good, a good life. And that's BS. You know what I mean? Like a happy wife is one who's led by her husband. Um, not, not in a domineering way, in a respectful, loving way. What is the That's command right. in scripture is to love your wife. Yeah. Like I'll be right. I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you here, Nate. Oh, wow. Look at this. I get sometimes like mocked a little bit just because I do a lot of the cleaning. I do a lot of the cooking and I do And I'm like, no, I, I do that because I'm at home during the day because I work from home, if anybody's wondering. Um, and so I just try to take care of as much stuff as that because that's a way I can show my wife that I love her, letting her relax when she comes home. Some people would probably be up, you're taking away her role in the home. But like, no, she does tons of other things. Sorry to cut you off, but don't you think that that's part of like the display of a, a sort of beta spirit in a guy who's like, whoa, I can't do the cooking. I can't, that's, that's the women's job, right? And so there's, there's an insecurity of like, well, that would make me feminine. That would make me not the man. It's just like- 100%. Like, I'm I mean, not- like, I'm, I, there, I have no problem saying this on a podcast that we're going to have right. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people maybe listen to because I'm not threatened. That's by a bit the ambitious. Yeah, that's, that's probably ambitious. ambitious. <laughs> hundreds uh, of thousands, Pooty. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. There. This is, um, you get a lot of faith in this episode. God can do great things. <laughs> um, no, but I'm not, I'm not afraid of it because like, yeah, I, I actually like cooking. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know what? I don't mind vacuuming. It doesn't take me like I like to cut the wow. grass. Like, wow, woman, um, woman. I'm no, a, no, they're cutting the grass. That, that's a man's role, Tony. You're on the right side. That's... But I, ju- I just mean I'm not threatened yeah. by it in any way, shape, or form, and I'm also not threatened by my wife being upset with the decision I make. You know what I mean? Amen. If I like, Amen. how many times have we had the conversations and we don't naturally get on the same page and tie-breaking authority? We're like, well, we're gonna do what I've kind of decided. And then later down the road, my wife graciously is like, you know what? You were right there. You know what I mean? And like we, we do that. I think we see in so many of these people this mentality of like I would rather sacrifice my conviction than tick off my wife. Yeah. And, and then we, other, we see the other nasty way this gets played out. And this is that there's the wife who builds up her husband, making him think that he's an alpha male, yada, yada, yada. And then mm. starts planning all the like the little truth bombs, like if you don't do this, you're not an alpha. You know what I mean? And so like right. basically manipulating the husband into right. things that we do this and things that he does. We see this all the time with guys. And these are the guys who are like, I got to talk to my wife before I make any kind of choice or any kind of decision. I have to ask yeah. permission for everything. And that's also a sign of a beta male, even if you are the one making the decision. But if you need to run... It's, I'm not saying it's bad to talk about your thought, to, talk have your thought process influenced by, yeah, um, I, I would say yeah. not even influenced, manipulated. Yeah. yeah. Cause we are to be influenced, but yeah, manipulated is the right, is the right term. So you have this culture, I think, and all of these little things, you might be sitting there going like, boy, you guys are really misogynist and you guys are really, so first of all, I would say like, if you're not understanding the terms alpha and beta, I would actually go in and take a look at this. Uh, Aaron Wren and, and uh, Jordan Peterson, I think do a really good job and and they're both uh, kind of clean places where you can get some of this content. We're not talking about the, being the stupid, like high school jock. Like that's not, what, that's not what being an alpha is. It's not about picking on other people. In fact, I think what you've heard us say is it's quite the opposite. It's about taking responsibility. It's about leading with conviction. It's about being a man of integrity and all these sorts of things. But here's why these little conversations are important is because when we look at the world and we say, look at how crazy everything is right now. Well, yeah, of course it's crazy because all of these little things are happening at home, but we're also living in a society that's run by beta males and alpha women. That's not how God designed the world. And so what you, what you have, when it's interesting, when, when sin came into the world, one of the curses 
God said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband, right? And, and if you look at that desire, that word desire, it's used the next chapter as well when God is talking to Cain and he says, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you. So that desire is a, a desire to overtake, to overpower, to destroy, to usurp, right? And so what he's saying is your desire will be to overpower, to overtake, to usurp your husband, to take his role. But then God says, but he shall rule over you. So that's a declaration by God. When God says something, it is how it is. And so male leadership is an inescapable quality. Men will lead society, families, churches. The problem is, is will it be run by alpha men or beta men, right? Either men who are being manipulated by domineering wives whose desire is to usurp them, or will it be run by men who are leading by principle? And I think that that's where we found ourselves in this world. And, and quite honestly, I mean, look, I wasn't a huge Donald Trump fan. I liked him for a lot of stuff. I, I, there's, there's a lot of stuff I disagreed with. But overall, I think he was a great president. Here's what I would say. The absolute catnip that Donald Trump was to the media and to the culture and to the left in particular just showed how the world reacts to an actual alpha male. They hate it. They hate it because the desire is for that role. The desire is to tear down alphas to make yourself feel good. And that's exactly what we saw every single late night television host, every single you know leftist news outlet, every single beta pastor who is trying to be conservative, but would jump on the I hate Trump bandwagon in order to appease the women in their church. That's what happens when a man steps out and leads. So what needs to happen is all of the beta tendencies, all of the beta spirits that are in the men of our churches need to be called out for the sin that they are. And men need to start acting like men, because here's the thing. Jacob Rayom, Joe Boot, Aaron Rock, some of these guys that we've been talking about, wonderful, godly men. And I would follow them. I consider myself a leader. I would follow them. Why? Because men who are not threatened by other men can see the good qualities and follow men where they need to go. There's not a desire in my heart to tear them down in order to make myself feel better. That's where we need to call out and, and recognize this sin in our own hearts. We need to repent of it. And we need to ask God to strengthen the men in our churches. Amen. Amen. Anything else you want to touch on, Pudi? No, I think we've offended everybody again. So I'm happy about that. Um, so is our goal here to just get down to zero listeners? From the hundreds of thousands that, that you are declaring to get down to zero? When it's just us and our wives listening to the podcast, we'll know we really succeeded. I figure like Fight Life Feast is big enough. Let's try to tear down their network. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that's great. I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said. Don't be a beta, basically. Yeah, don't be a beta. And don't involve yourself in the, uh, the beta coup. <laughs> the beta coup. All righty. We'll be back next week for anybody who's here still listening. <laughs> Cheers. See ya.